And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 39 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Back here alongside my co-host, Dan Kiley. Dan, how is it going for you on this Monday evening? It is going well. I'm excited to be back. I know that we had a week off. I'm sorry for that, guys. But, you know, old Harrison had to go on vacation, <laughs> had to be special. But I hope you're refreshed and ready to go. We've got some stuff to talk to, some stuff. You know, some of it's kind of old news, some of it's new news. Some maybe some fresh takes you haven't heard before. Or hopefully, we'll have a great show, and uh, I'm just glad to be back. Heck yeah, man! Uh, sorry about that, guys. It was a uh, I had to take a trip with the family, go down um, to Atlanta to spend some time there, see some family. Uh, didn't like the car trip there. It's it's about eight hours um, from where I am, so uh, not the funnest of car rides. But I'm glad to be back, and we're gonna get right into it, guys. I know we're a week behind everyone else, and everyone else has already talked about it. So why not take the opportunity to talk about it ourselves? Dan, we had G Day a week ago, and my God, I'm like I'm I'm just shocked. A week's already flown by since G Day. We don't have football for a while now. So Dan, let's get right into it. Uh, give us a little recap. I mean, give us your opening thoughts on, on what you saw on the field in Athens, you know, this past, this past weekend, two weekends ago, actually. Well, for me, I, I tend to watch the offense more. I'm more of an offensive person. I'm more of uh, driven that way in, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard for a G day game or, you know, any scrimmage, depending on the teams playing, it, you want to see the offense do well. Because if the defense just goes out there and dominate, you may have a very good defense, but at the same time, what does that say about your offense, right? So I want to see the offense do well. We did see that the defense played very vanilla. Uh, I don't know that they blitzed all that much, if at all. It just kind of played back and just tried to stay healthy, really, defensively. Um, some of the younger guys got some run, got some to do some good things. But overall, for me, like I said, I was I was going in to watch the offense. I wanted to see what they were able to do. We we were down a lot of offensive weapons for the spring, so it gave some guys an opportunity to really uh, put their name you know out there and put their stamp on their position. And I thought you know Oscar Delt for one did that. He really showed out. Uh, and um, Eric Gilbert, and it is Eric by the way. He said it was Eric, so the A Reek stuff is over for me. The kid himself <laughs> said it's Eric, so it's Eric. Um, he had a hell of a game, hell of a game. And it was really good to see a couple of weeks ago, you had mentioned that he hadn't played a football game since the throw, uh, the, the shoe throwing game. And that blew my mind that the guy hasn't played in that long. He is going to be an absolute stud in this offense. And that's not to mention the fact that Brock Bowers didn't even play. And he's probably the best tight end in football right now. So that, that room is completely loaded. Probably, if not, no, not probably. That is the most loaded <laughs> individual room in the entire United States of America. I don't think there's an NFL room that has a group of better tight ends. They may have one tight end that's better, but they don't have a group of them. That's ridiculous. So for me, that's that was my initial take is I wanted to see the offense do well. They did really well. Your take. You, you know, I was just really surprised with, I mean, you know, we spent a little bit, and I think everyone spent a little bit, kind of tempering down expectations for A. Rick Gilbert and, and how he was going to play when we first saw him on the field. I mean, because like you said, he hasn't played in the game since 2020. I mean, Dece it may have been November, actually. Uh, late November, early December of 2020, that was the last time Eric Gilbert saw a live-action football field in front of a crowd. I, I, was, I came away really impressed with – you know, Carson Beck in the second team unit, obviously to start the game off with that, I mean, 60 yard bomb to Arian Smith, 
gosh, I can't wait to see that in the fall. I mean, it reminded me so much, very different situations, but it reminded me a lot of watching Stetson Bennett on that fourth down throw against Missouri. I think it was, what, fourth and six, and he shot to Arian Smith against Missouri in the back of the end zone. I mean, it, just exceptional plays that Arian Smith can create. I mean, obviously in 2020 with JT Daniels at the tail end of that season, I mean, it was just an explosive play waiting to happen. Uh, that I mean, receivers really stole the show, and the running backs also kind of made some plays, not in the running game per se, per se but more in showing their ability as a pass catcher. You know, we, we saw clips um, from practices behind closed doors of Kendall Milton showing off some of his pass catching abilities. Uh, I believe one of them ended up being a touchdown in one of the hype videos Georgia sent out. You know, we, we know what Kenny McIntosh can do as a receiver. I mean, obviously go back and watch the, the 2020 Peach Bowl. So I, I think the biggest takeaway for me was not so much that, you know, the defense has a major regression. I mean, come on, guys. That's that's a that, that's a dumb moment. I mean, yeah, you're not going to have a historical defense like you did last year. You're not pro- – I mean, you're probably not going to get bailed out uh, in, in situations like against Florida where, I mean, defense really single-handedly turned that game over um, for the offense. So, you know, George has some dudes. You got – you got two dudes at tight end. You got two more who weren't there. And I think the biggest thing about this spring, the saving grace, if you will, about this spring is, well, that's that's a lot less hits and a lot less, uh, you know, a, a lot less damage that is going to be on the shoulders of Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington come fall. Because, I mean, look, you know, we, we've talked about it in the past with Aaron Smith where, you know, you use the spring to kind of callous your body, I think is how our friend Brooks Austin uh, put it. You know, use it to, to ramp up the intensity from, you know, going have, having no pads to, to going full speed, full contact come fall. You know, this is going to be a huge, huge spring, huge offseason for Aaron Smith. And, and it's going to be the same way for the guys that missed this spring um, because they're not going to have as many hits on them. I mean, you look at Brock Bowers, that's, that's one of the most, you know, tackled dudes for Georgia last year just because of all the plays he made. So, you know, r- really good spring. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they do um, come the fall. Dan, real quick, I want to talk, you know, it's it's the talk of the town. It's going to be the talk of the town for as long as me and you sit here and, and until the end of the next season. W- what do you make of the performance of the quarterbacks? I mean, you, you see a lot made when a guy like Carson Beck goes out there, goes 14 to 22, 274 yards against the second team defense. And then you see Stetson Bennett and really all they key in and key in on is those two interceptions. But before I get to that, I will say I, I appreciate the way that Kirby handles the spring game. Kirby has uh, the tendency to not be a, uh, a people person and he really doesn't like anybody like he he asks the fans for stuff but he really doesn't give a lot to the fans he doesn't really do anything for the fans but i will say that he has structured the spring game for the fans so i think we all owe him a debt of gratitude for that because he allows them to open it up between the three quarterbacks they threw the ball 83 times and i don't know what how many throws um uh gunner had one or two maybe I, I don't i'm not really sure but i mean 83 for the three major quarterbacks so they were putting the ball in the freaking air and that's what we all want to see we want to have fun and that will show you the receivers that you got but as far as the quarterbacks go what did i want to see out of stetson well one of the things it I, I don't care about the interceptions in the spring game i mean he didn't look terrible okay if he looked terrible then maybe i would be a little bit worried but we've seen him playing games the one thing that is always going to be a concern for me with Stetson, and there's nothing he can do to control it, 
is batted balls down at the line of scrimmage. Okay. We saw two or three of them, maybe four during the scrimmage. He had batted balls down at the line of scrimmage. That is something in his game that he has to work harder at than other quarterbacks because of his limitations as he has to work to find throwing lanes to be able to complete passes, especially across the middle, okay, or shorter passes. The deeper passes, not so much, right, because you're throwing over the top. It's not a big deal. But the quick intermediate routes, short routes, quick routes, he has to find the proper throwing lane. Now, I don't know because it's kind of like a pitcher in spring training working on, let's say, their, their changeup's not great, right? but they really want it to be a major pitch for them during the season. They're going to work on it during spring training. It may get beat to hell in the spring training game, but nobody really is worried about that as long as he's working on it. So with Stetson, I really felt like some of the stuff, I don't know if he was necessarily working on stuff or if he just wanted to put on a show for the fans and try to make an exciting play and, you know, had some balls picked off or whatever. I'm not overly concerned about that. What, what, so for as far as Stetson goes, that's it. You know, I, I'm always going to pay attention to the batted ball, batted down balls at the line of scrimmage to make sure that he's, he's, he's actively working at that. And, you know, of course he's going to do that. Right. But I wanted to see the other guys and see how far they've progressed. Now, everything we heard about Carson Beck last year was amazing, right? He just, he lit the world on fire, looked great by all accounts was the second string quarterback was supposed to start the UAB game. Lord only knows what happens. Rumors are rumors, but I wanted to see him and he didn't do anything to disappoint me. I thought he looked poised, calm, collected. He was in charge. He, he took ownership of the huddle. He moved extremely well inside the pocket, opened the game with a bomb down the middle mm-hmm. of the field. I, I mean, I, everything I saw out of him, I liked, there was nothing I didn't like about him. Does that mean he's going to be the starting quarterback week one? Absolutely not. Not even, no, no chance in hell. Okay. But w- what I feel good about is I know that if something were to happen to Stetson and, and let's be honest, knock on wood, we've been extremely fortunate with Stetson because he is small. He is not a big guy. He does take hits from time to time in the Florida game. Uh, the year before last, he separated his shoulder, right? Or or I don't know if he necessarily separated it, but he injured his shoulder, and we didn't have anybody else to play in that football game. Now, imagine if that were to happen. Again, knock on wood, God forbid, something happens to Stetson, and Carson has to come in. You have to feel pretty good knowing that the guy is able to compete at that level. I, I mean, obviously, game reps be what they will, but – you can only be as good as you can be without those game reps, right? I mean, he he is as good as you could possibly be with the limitations that have faced him, meaning he hasn't had the game reps. So he looked as good as you could possibly hope for and want. Uh, he doesn't look checked out. He looks dialed in. He looks bought in. The guys around him seem to be playing well with him and hard for him. That is a great sign. So as far as Carson goes, extremely happy with what I saw. Now, Brock, the biggest thing with Brock last year was not his arm strength or anything like that. Everybody says the guy could throw rockets. It was, is he absorbing the playbook? Is he reading the defenses properly, making the right reads, getting the ball where it's supposed to go, get it out on time, all that stuff. I thought Brock looked really good. He had the longest run of the day. Granted, you know, he's in the, the jersey, so who knows. But uh, I thought Brock looked really, really good too. So you have to feel really good that your second string and third team quarterback looked that good. I mean, hell, these other teams have a hard enough time finding one quarterback and, and everything that we saw in G day would tell you that if 
any one of those guys had a play in a game, um, you know, maybe not a national championship game or something <laughs> like that, right? But if, if you needed somebody to play a game or a quarter or a half or something, you feel really good about it. So that's a great place to be in is the University of Georgia. The, uh, they both looked extremely bought in. And then Gunner, it's not fair to even uh, comment on Gunner because he didn't really get that much uh, opportunity. And there's no reason to, uh, other than, you know, uh, he was there at spring, had an opportunity to work good for him, but there's no reason to really try to break down what he did or anything like that. He didn't have significant playing time, but I thought all three quarterbacks for what they I like Stetson again, you know, I guess had the worst day, but <laughs> who cares? I mean, he, he made some really nice plays. He did some other things, got in and out. Did everybody, everybody, as far as I know, stayed healthy. So that's all you can really ask for. So that's my quarterback breakdown. What say you, sir? I mean, really along the same lines as you said. I mean, you know, Stetson had the quote-unquote worst day out of all of them with the two interceptions. But kind of like you said, I mean, he's going to throw some throws that he doesn't normally throw. I mean, you look at Bryce Young. Bryce Young threw a ball in the double coverage, and Jordan Battle made him pay for it. But yet you don't see Bama fans, you know, moaning about him throwing an interception in a spring game. I mean, nobody really cares. You know, the coaches don't really care at the end of the day. They just wanted to see their guys get on the football field and compete you know, maybe get maybe boost some excitement in the fan base. I don't really think they care, to be honest with you all, about uh, whether the fan base is excited about the season or not or how they feel. But, you know, it, it was really refreshing to see Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff on the field. You know, speaking of Brock Vandergriff, like Dan said, he was a guy that was kind of behind the scenes last year. You didn't see much of him other than uh, the few snaps he took in the UAB game. So, you know, where, where is he at development-wise? I think we got some of those questions answered then again. You know, they're not going to show us all uh, all, all of their deck of cards and, 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 you know, this spring game. We'll probably see more of him against the, the Kent States of the world or whoever the next, you know, UAB-type game is on this schedule for Georgia. That's where you'll see Brock Vandegrift. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you should be excited to see what you got in Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift over the next year. I mean, Stetson Bennett, whether you like him or not, Stetson Bennett is your quarterback at the University of Georgia until further notice. Uh, it's going to take, I think Dan said it last week, it's going to take a heck, heck of a downfall from Sets of Bennett to lose that job. Not to mention the guys behind him are going to have to have a heck of an offseason to overtake him. So, you know, don't don't be upset because Stetson's your quarterback. The guy just won you a national championship. He showed you that he can get the job done and step up when you need to. I mean, what bigger throw can the guy make on, on third and or second and 18 to Adoni Mitchell? I mean, what bigger throw can he make to prove you wrong that, hey, in moments when you need him, in the clutch, he can make a play? I mean, everyone forgets he had that quote-unquote fumble uh, the drive before that, I mean, I think Dan would agree with me. I mean, I know me personally, I thought the game was over after that fumble. I thought there was that that was going to be the moment, like in the past, that was the, uh-oh, there's the mistake, there's what Bama needs to get back into this football game. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And he he played extremely well down the stretch of that football game. I, I was getting bagged on during the game because I was like, he's playing terrible. And he really kind of did for three quarters. He played about as bad as you can play without without just being brutal, right? I mean, he, mm-hmm. he played fairly poorly. But then when it mattered, he played really well. Kind of like Trey Young, right? The other night played absolutely terrible for three quarters but the last five minutes of the game he he was a superstar you needed right so Stetson maybe isn't the most consistent quarterback in the world but he's he's one of those guys and 
I mean, I, I know some of the teams that I had, I played on, and I'm sure everybody listening, you, you guys had a, a guy on your team, whatever sport was, where at the most critical moments is when they were absolutely their best. And if it wasn't a high leverage moment, sometimes they kind of checked out or weren't really that great. But if the game was on the line, they were complete ballers. Now you say, you know, you would have to have a tremendous downfall not to be a starting quarterback. Okay, that's one way. All right. The other is, don't get hurt, my guy, because Kirby has replaced a hurt quarterback twice now. Jacob Eason was the starting quarterback, got hurt. Jake Fromm went in, won a couple football games. I wouldn't say he was playing amazing, like not insurmountable, right? But Jacob never got another shot. Not another shot, okay? JD gets hurt, sits out. Stetson goes in, has a great game. I'll give Kirby credit. He did trot JT out there one more time. Got banged up again. They're like, all right, turn the page. So Stetson. So I, I'm just saying, if Stetson were to get hurt, again, knock on wood, God forbid, and somebody like Carson goes in there and just lights the world on fire, does Stetson get the job back? That's the only controversy that I would bring up. I, I'm not trying to say that any of these guys are going to take his job out of the camp, but I'm just saying Kirby's shown us twice now. If a guy gets hurt and the guy who comes in is playing at a high level, he hasn't given the job back yet. So that that's the only other way I see it happening. And really, you know, you look at the two moments where it's it was most likely for a new quarterback to go in, being, you know, the Florida game right before, right before halftime, uh, you know, really – when Sesson threw that that first pick, maybe second pick, I, I can't remember exactly. I think it was the first pick he threw where many fans started to voice, hey, we need to get JT in this football game. And then you skip forward to this championship game uh, where I can't remember exactly. It may have been the second half, somewhere in the second half, where everyone was saying put JT in the game. And Kirby said, no, I'm going to trot my guy right back out there. So, you know, like Dan says, I mean, really, not only is it is a tremendous downfall one way to lose a job, but, you know, injury is another way because, you know, like Dan said, JT went down, got his shot to, you know, reestablish himself. And I think thanks in large part to the interception throwing at South Carolina, I think that kind of helped JT keep that job for one more week. Um, but, you know, once he got pulled at the end of that first quarter, mm -hmm. uh, the first quarter of that Vanderbilt game, that was it. That was the last time you saw JT Daniels until I think it was the Missouri game where we saw him in garbage time, uh, you know, basically just, just managing the offense and, and, and trying to kill the clock. So, you know, if you get hurt um, for, for the sake of your career, you don't want that guy playing lights out like Stetson did down the stretch last season for Georgia. So, uh, you know, Stetson's the guy. And, and as Robert said in the comments, you know, Georgia's about to be dangerous again this year offensively. I mean, you look at the weapons they have. We've already touched on this, guys. Harris Jackson, Eric Gilbert. Kenny McIntosh, Oscar Delp, Dominic Blaylock, Arian Smith, Jackson Weeks. Those were just some of the guys that were on the stat sheet last week. I mean, that's not even including Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Adoni Mitchell. You know, that's just that's just a sample of what Georgia has weapons-wise in the room. But I want to take the conversation defense for a minute before we move on to a new what's the latest within Kylie. Dan. It's hard to judge defense in, in any really any preseason game or any spring game, any scrimmage of any sorts. You know, hard to judge. But I mean, are there any takeaways right off the bat from you about what you did see from the defense? Uh, 
like you said, it's very difficult. First of all, that's not really even what you're focused on, right? Because you're one, you know, you want to see offense in the game. Okay. But I saw a lot of guys, a lot of guys getting opportunities, a lot of different uh, people in different spots. I, I got to see Malachi Starks in the game, which is really cool for me. A guy who knows, you know, Dan Jackson um, looked like he played pretty well. Um, Ringo was normal Ringo. And then um, Lasseter didn't get to play. He was held out um, precautionary. So um, I guess it was it Nylon Green that got the start on the other side. Is that right? I think of Ringo, I think it was. I think Nylon Green rotated in with um... – William Poole. I remember seeing William Poole in the other outside corner um, for a little bit, kind of experimenting with him. I don't think that's where he's going to stay, um, but I think it was him and Green rotating well, in over there. I know that the one comment that we've heard more, I mean, from different places, I mean, I know Brooks has had it and some other guys had it, is that um, Nylon Green is extremely, extremely talented, kind of hot and cold. Like, he'll do really well on a play or a practice and then kind of have a regression. So hot and cold, right? Hot and cold. And, and, I don't remember him getting picked on really. So I don't, who was the, I don't remember who the first bomb of the game was too, but uh, cause it's been two weeks. I'm sorry. I didn't have time to rewatch it today. So I'm trying to recall all of this as best as I can. Um, it was fresh in my mind. I could have been much better at it, but uh, well, I, don't, I don't know. I think Eric was the first like big, big energizing catch, but that wasn't, I think it was like 27 yards, but you know, Aaron Smith was the first true bomb, but that was against the second string D right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Anyway, I, I I thought they played pretty well considering you have to understand it's kind of like a NBA All-Star game where it, it's geared for the offense and Kirby's not trying to get guys hurt. And it's your own team on the other side of the line. So, I mean, if you're a free safety and you're taking somebody's head off, is that smart? I mean, it may be good film or be like, hey, that's a great hit, but that's stupid. You'll get somebody hurt. So, I you know, I, I don't. I don't want to say they weren't striking because there was definitely some pads popping, but I don't know that the defense was really out there to just dominate. And I don't know that that was you know ever the intention. So it's very difficult, but I did get to see a lot of different guys. Hey, listen, we got to find uh, linebackers, right? I and mean, we have guys on the team, but hell, we got to replace four of them. So, and they're all going to be drafted in the first, second or third round of the NFL draft. So, We've got defensive guys. Jalen Carter, of course, is going to be great. Uh, we already know that. Uh, I was interested to see some of the other guys get in there. JDJ led the team in tackles, right? Seven tackles. I mean, we some some guys had some opportunities, and um, I. It's difficult to say if they did great or they didn't <laughs> because I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I never listen. I never played defense. I was not a defensive player, so I'm not the guy to ask about the X's and O's of defense. So it, from all I could tell, a lot of guys got reps. At the end of the day, every single player was healthy. As far as I know, I didn't hear any injuries reports coming out. That's all I care about is the guys that were starting, you know, that, that played in the game all were able to walk home at the end of the day. So Spring practice, in my in my conclusion, spring practice was extremely successful. We got a lot of different guys' opportunities of game reps inside of the stadium. I believe they put on a pretty good show for the people who showed up and the people who watched on TV, and everybody was healthy. So with that, we will move on from the G-Day game and move to what's the latest with Dan Colley. However, 
I'm rebranding this because <laughs> I've started to notice it's a trend here. It's not what's the latest with Dan Kylie is what is Dan Kylie mad about this week? So <laughs> we're going to rebrand it. And that's what it's going to be. What am I mad about now? I'll tell you what I'm mad about. I'm mad about Kevin Durant. I'm tired, sick and tired of everybody talking about how he's the greatest player, best player in the NBA right now. Blah, 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 blah. They just got swept by the Boston Celtics and he didn't do a damn thing to win that series. I don't it, it Chuck was on TV last night. I know I'm listen, I know I'm gonna catch hell for this because there's so many <laughs> KD supporters. I don't necessarily hate KD, but I'm so sick and tired of everybody saying he's like this great player. He's very, very good. Absolutely. He can do things that other guys can't do. However, he's not the bus driver, as Chuck said. He's the bus rider. It, it, and he went. To get a championship, he went to a 73-win team. My God, they didn't need you, okay? They won 73 games the season before you showed up. They don't need you. You were along for the ride. Now, we were talking about this with a group of friends today. As I pointed out, I was giving them my argument, and they come back with, he was the MVP of the NBA Finals. I'm like, cool. He wasn't the bus driver. That was Stephson Clay's team. He was just there. He, I'm not saying... I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm just saying he's not a dominant one. He's not Batman. He's not Superman. He's Robin. He's a damn good Robin, but he's Robin. He's not a leader. And Kyrie, don't even get me started on Kyrie. <laughs> I mean, the man thinks the earth is flat. He plays in half the games this year because he will. Listen, I do give him props for standing up for what he believes in, holding firm to it. At the end of the day, I think everybody else kind of looks silly, right? Because they let the man sit in the front row of the game, but they won't let him play in the game. Get the hell out of here. That's so stupid. Anyway, Kyrie, shit was easier when you had LeBron, wasn't it, Kyrie? <laughs> it really was. But you had to get away from him. You wanted to be the alpha. Well, hello, you got your opportunity, and you just got swept by Boston. Enjoy that. I hope you enjoy that. And that takes me to my last thing what am i angry about ben simmons is a punk he is the biggest punk i've ever seen in my life man just filed a grievance to get paid for his whole seller. sits out the whole damn season trey young broke this man he wouldn't shoot in the fourth quarter of a game seven and got booed out of philadelphia he was never gonna play in philadelphia again because he's soft and they know he's soft and they don't want him there philly is not a soft town if you're soft you can't play in philly i umpired in philly they hate you they hate you I, I hate everybody in Philly. They threw snowballs at Santa Claus, for God's sakes. So, <laughs> ben Simmons is a punk. He gets traded. Listen, when I knew he got traded, I was like, all right, he's not going to go play immediately because he has to kind of make it look like he was really hurt so that he doesn't get, like, in trouble for sitting out, right? So he was going to sit out. And I was like, all right, the last two weeks of the season, he's going to play. And then he'll be the third wheel or whatever. And he'll, you know. He, they needed him. At the end of the day, they freaking needed him. And he sat there and didn't do anything. I don't know how you're his teammate and you don't sit there and call his butt out. And, and filing a grievance for his money. Listen, they're going to put new legislation into the NBA when they redo the collective uh, bargaining agreement. And I guarantee you it's going to be the the Ben Simmons rule where there are, you have to play a, a part of the season or something like that there, or have to have a significant injury to get your money. You can't just sit out 
because you feel like it or, you know, your feelings are hurt because you got booed on your home floor. Grow up, man. I, I can't stand Ben Simmons. I If he never played another game, it would be too soon for me. He's a punk. And if I was his teammate, I don't know how you could be his teammate in good faith and not punch that dude in the face. I, how are you going to sit there and not play? There ain't nothing wrong with you. There ain't a thing wrong with you, man. Except you got your feelings hurt. All right, I'm done. Feel better. <laughs> the, the one thing I want to add to it, really regarding Ben Simmons, what, what really got me upset was, you know, and I think, I think Reggie Miller said it best. He has no competitive fire. You put out, I don't know who put out, and, and this was the big thing with, with Stephen A, or, or maybe one, one of them, the J. Will, the, the Will and Mac show on ESPN, they were talking about, you know, whoever put out the tidbit that, you know, it's potential that Ben Simmons comes back for game four, whoever did that, you know, I don't know what their narrative was, or, or why they did it. May, maybe they were being truthful. Maybe they said, all right, maybe they actually knew. Maybe someone in the net said, all right, you know, Ben Simmons is talking about coming back. They're talking about he's going to be back. So they put it out there. They leaked it out. Try and get some, try and get some, you know, some excitement in the fan base. Oh, hey, let me go to this game, game four, even though we're about to get swept. Let me see Ben Simmons on the court with Kyrie and KD. You know, and then there's also the narrative of, hey, maybe the Nets put that out there to, to get some heat on, on Ben Simmons because, you know, Maybe they don't want him in town anymore, or maybe maybe they're calling him out on you know not having any competitive fire. So you know with Ben Simmons, that's that's my big deal. You don't put out reports that you're coming back, and then the day that game shows up because you're down three zero, you say, oh no, my 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 back hurts. I I don't want to play. Not not gonna say you know I'm not. I I don't know if the dude's injured. You know only he knows that. Um, I didn't see him on the court tonight. I didn't. They didn't pan over to him with camera on the Celtics Nets game. Um, so I don't know if he was there or not. But I mean, dude, honestly, I can't blame the Nets. They left him at home. I, I, I mean, really, there, he should be nowhere around that around that basketball team. The last thing they need. Well, the other one is Zion. I forgot Zion Williamson. So that man, the worst possible scenario in the world for that man is that he went to New Orleans where they have some damn good food, and my man loves to eat. He's three hundred and fifty pounds. And he can't get himself on the floor. He breaks bones in his feet now because he's so heavy. He can't stay healthy. Man, I thought he was going to be a monster, just a beast. And I wanted him in Atlanta so, so, so bad. But my guy just can't stay healthy. So he's the other one where, you know, he's out there doing 360 windmill dunks during pregame, but he can't play. Come on. I I just I, – NBA – NBA is not the same NBA I grew up with. So maybe I'm the old guy sitting on my front porch just telling you about how it used to be. I don't know, but it's not the same NBA. If Scott, I mean, Scott, in the last dance, Michael Jordan called Scottie Pippen out for not playing in the game. That happened 20 something years ago. He's still pissed off about it. <laughs> and, and, and Benson, they're like, he's sitting on the bench. And I, listen, if I knew that there was a guy who was able to play, that could help me win. I am that competitive. I want to win at all costs. I would kick your ass if you were not going to play just because you were being selfish. Like, there's no way I would let that slide. But that's just me. It's a crazy world we live in. I, I, I just know if that happened, you know, in the NFL, like Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown this year for for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. He, he, he said he was hurt. Apparently, the staff knew that he was playing hurt. And when his number got called to go back in the game, he didn't want to go back in because he was hurt. So Aaron Smith told him, get out. Um, and and then that whole commotion started. And, and 
I, I don't know if there's a lawsuit for that. I, I believe I, I thought I saw something about a lawsuit going on for that. So um, we'll see with that. But anyways, you, look at the comparison between what happens in the NFL when someone doesn't want to play and in the NBA when someone doesn't want to play. That's all. That's all you need to know. Now speaking about the NFL, it's a big week. It is a huge week. It is an exciting week if you're a Georgia football fan because you got 15 former Bulldogs, 15 guys you watched last year going to the NFL draft, going to Vegas to hear their name called, hopefully. I think, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that 10 out of those 15 guys at the least get their name called. I mean, there's there's people out here saying that 10 could go in the top 60 picks, I'm pretty sure, which would be ridiculous. To put that in perspective, Alabama had eight in the top 50 a year ago. And we all know how stacked that Alabama team was. Heck, Georgia played that Alabama team in, I believe, what, week four in Tuscaloosa? And, you know, if not for the second half, if if the game was only the, you know, the first and second quarter, Georgia would have won that game. But it's not. It's four quarters. But anyways, Dan, we got some bombshells dropping. I mean, we talked about a few weeks ago, Trayvon Walker going number one. I, I think both me and you agree I mean, he has the highest ceiling of anyone in this draft. But also, I mean, when you compare him to Aiden Hutchinson, you know, obviously Aiden Hutchinson, he, he I mean, for the stats geek, for the guys that love the stats, the stat sheet, love looking at the stats, that's how you, you know, you're, you're a stat scout. Um, Aiden Hutchinson's your pick by far and away. I mean, his ceiling's so low. I mean, he can go into the league and do exactly what he did last year at Michigan. And I think he gets by. He he doesn't need to elevate his game to an exceptionally high level to do what he to do what he does, you know, from college to the NFL. With that being said, I think Trayvon Walker could reach heights that not many people are seeing right now. Um, and, and, and unless you know you're have an open mind and, and and can comprehend the fact that you know Georgia also has a potential. I mean, Georgia potentially had five defense alignment. In that in that room last year, they're going to be first round picks, maybe four if I'm counting correctly. Uh, yeah, four. Sorry, guys. Uh, I mean, Jalen Carter next year, most likely if all goes well, he's a first round pick. This year, it looks like you're going to have Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis. Sorry, as my Siri co- pops up on my computer, you're going to have Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, and Trayvon Walker go in the first round potentially. You could have four defensive linemen go in the first round in the span of two years. But Georgia doesn't put defensive line in the NFL, Harrison. That's what I've been told. <laughs> so that, that narrative is gone. That's gone. So, you know, I, I saw a, a tweet the other day where some NFL uh, guy who covers it or whatever said that uh, Aiden Hutchinson was better than both of the Bosa brothers. And, uh, like – the comment section was everything that you would hope it would be. It was nothing but NFL players going, you're ridiculous. You're out of your mind. Like that's so insulting. And they were just, they were just ripping on that guy about how asinine that comment was. Now with our guy, Trayvon Walker, one of the comps that I've heard most recently was JJ Watt. They think that Trayvon Walker has the potential to be as dominant as J.J. Watt was when he was healthy earlier in his career, how dominant he was, where you, know, you could double-team him, triple-team him, you had to scheme against him, run away from him, all that stuff, and he still wreaked havoc. There are people who think the upside for Trayvon Walker was that high. Our 
coach, Kirby Smart, came out and he was sick and tired of listening to people bag on his stats when he said the reason his stats are the way they are is because he was part of a team and rotated. He was unselfish. And he said, my guys play for the collective. They buy into what we're asking them to do. That's why his numbers weren't what they were. And that's why uh, the guy who went to Florida State, um, what's his name? Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. His stats went up because he was really the only guy that he his stat his snap count was significantly higher. He had the opportunity to do things differently than here at Georgia. Georgia, our players, because we have so many good, talented players, they're asked to basically sacrifice. He said, but go put on the tape. Look at him when he's in the game. He makes plays in the game, but he also has the ability to do exactly what I ask him to do, play assignment football, and then you know make plays when they're available to make plays, and he did. He made plays every time they were there. Now, in an NFL system, he might be able to run a little bit wild, and be able to do some different things. I think the upside for him, Trayvon Walker, is extremely high. Yeah, I, I don't know if JJ Watt, I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but to say to even to even consider that that he has the potential to be as dominant a player as JJ Watt, maybe disrespectful to JJ Watt. I don't know, but that's a hell of a comparison. Cause in the last 10 or 12 years, between Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt, I can't think of another defensive lineman that was more dominant when he was on than that. So to say that he has that potential, that's saying a lot. And then I know it's lying week. It's smoke week. It's lying week. And everybody's trying to throw you off. The, t- the one person who doesn't lie, the one place you go for information that doesn't bullshit you is Vegas. Because Vegas – they they are there to make money. I don't know if you noticed this, Harrison. I know you're really young, but the casinos, they get bigger, not smaller. You know why? Because Vegas wins. And guess who is the new betting favorite to be the number one overall pick? That is Trayvon Walker, not Aiden Hutchinson. So I don't care what anybody in the media says. Where's the money? The money is on Trayvon. That's all I need to hear. I, you know, with me, you, you never know until until the card's in. I'm, True. Well, shoot, you know, you never know. So, I, you know, it's in years past, it's, you know, if you're the number one pick and it's and it's plain as day, kind of like what everyone was saying with Aiden Hutchinson in, in the weeks leading up before, you know, draft week actually got here, the card would already be in in most cases. Like, we would know it's Aiden Hutchinson and that's it. If it was a quarterback, it would already be in. It, exactly. And, and there's no elite quarterback in this draft, not in my opinion. I, I mean, I, not Falcon in anybody's fan, opinion. Right, right here, right right next to me on the screen, Dan Kiley, Falcon fan. I, I, I know you said, you know, you may revoke your, your, your fanship card if they do something dumb here. But, I mean, is there an elite quarterback on this on this draft board? If they draft a quarterback at eight, I'm going to start a GoFundMe to replace my television because I'm going to rip it off the damn wall. I will lose my mind. I that will be the angriest I've had. The, the, the only other time I've ever gotten angry at a draft is when they drafted Jamal Anderson, the defensive lineman from Arkansas. I was so pissed. I, I've never been that mad. I, I wasn't even that mad when they drafted TJ Duckett over Ed Reed. I wanted Ed Reed something fierce, and they got TJ Duckett. And I was like, I mean, I understand why they did it, whatever. You know, obviously, we know who's the better player now. But if they draft a quarterback at eight, 
I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind. There is not a quarterback in here. And here's two things about that, okay? One, you're putting expectations on a kid who can't reach those expectations. If you take a kid at eight, you're saying he's a first-round quarterback at eight. You're expecting him to come in and be a, a player, a stud. I think the highest I've seen him evaluated on anybody's board is 22. On most averages, Malik Willis is rated at 33, and he's the highest-rated quarterback over Pickett and all those other guys. So you're going to tell me you're taking a guy. Let's just say that. Let's just take the highest, 22 at eight. That's a definition of a reach. Okay. Now, if you want to move back into the first round and, and you don't have to sacrifice too too much, I get it. You know, whatever. Go get your guy. But that first pick has to be. Bones. But anyway, that's we're getting off the subject. But we want to stay on, on on the dogs in the NFL. But yes, if the Falcons take a quarterback at eight, I'm gonna break shit. <laughs> and, and going from Trayvon Walker, you know, to me, number one, number two, he's gonna produce. You know, he may not be the impact player from from the first snap of training camp, like Aiden Hutchinson will be, in my opinion. But he's gonna produce. He's he's gonna have a long career. I mean, all you got to do is turn on the tape, as our friend. Brooks Austin says, shut up and grind the tape. By the way, one free shout out of the show, I promise. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. I, I believe I've memorized the the link for him now because um, I've heard it so much. But uh, that that's where you can find him if you want some latest and the greatest information out there. Now, here's another one. This is from the same article on ESPN+. Plus. I'm not going to quote it because... That dude, Todd McShay, does some terrific work. So if y'all want to go find it, it is over on ESPN+. Plus. Go get your description there and go find out what Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper are talking about. To me, I prefer Todd McShay um, because I found out Mel Kuyper apparently has a 16% accuracy when it comes to his uh, mock drafts uh, over the years. Jordan Davis apparently could go as high as number nine, which would be to Seattle. We're talking about a nose tackle. Going number nine overall. That had me spinning for a bit. I didn't think he would be that high. Dan, I, I need your take on this. See, Jordan Davis is one of those players where he could do – Yeah, I saw a criticism of him that he doesn't move people. It was like, come on. The guy's 6'6", 340 pounds. He runs as fast as he can. He's He's massive. So I, I know that everybody wants to go as high as possible. I get that. Okay. It, it's all about money, but as long as you're drafted in the first round, you have the ability to get that extra year. Okay. So you just really want to go in the first round, but uh, where you go matters because we've seen so many guys get drafted to places that they just don't fit. And then their careers never get off the ground. They bust out you know, maybe they get a second chance. Who knows if they do or not, right? So if Jordan Davis goes to a situation where it's just not a good fit and they don't use him right or, you know, they don't have the guys around him or whatever the case may be, that would be very difficult for him, right? And and maybe he's a bust. But look at a team like the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens have made a career out of massive massive humans at defensive tackle, right? That's the style that they like to play. That's the personnel that it, a player like that fits their personnel. It, he would be in heaven playing on that defensive line. It's perfect fit, right? So maybe he does go higher, but for me, you know, I don't really so much get into the, the Twitter wars where it's 
my guy went higher than your guy. I don't care. <laughs> At the end of the day, I want all of these dogs to be successful because when they say dogs in the NFL, I want them to all be successful because the real beat on your chest moment is when your guys are in the NFL and they're dominating, right? Who gives a crap if they went number two, if they don't do anything, right? Like Matthew Stafford went number one overall and he put up great numbers, but he didn't do anything. But now he has a Super Bowl. So that's that's good and positive for us, right? But the knock was always like, well, he's a dog. He doesn't know how to win a big game, right? Blah, blah, blah. So that died. Um, but I, I would love to see him go to the right spot. So one of the notes that you had here was, does Nicobe Dean fall, right? Well, all the mock drafts, mock drafts that I saw had him going to Philadelphia, which I guess would be okay. But who has the history of using undersized linebackers who are extremely smart, which what was the first thing that Kirby ever said about Nakobe Dean? He said, I've never coached a football player as smart as he is. His very first spring practice, he was reacting to the ball faster than anybody else. Maybe he wasn't a finished product. We know that. And he got better as he, he developed for sure. He developed. But the one thing that Kirby said about him was he is the most instinctual, smartest guy. He's ever coached at the middle linebacker position. Who who likes those guys? New England. Bill Belichick, that defense, his mind. I mean, look at the guys that he's had there. Guys who couldn't play anywhere else, right? Uh, the linebacker, uh, the white dude, escaping my mind. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, he's on ESPN now. Uh, Teddy Bruschi, right? Undersized. Uh not extremely fast. One of the biggest questions we have about Nakobe Dean is he won't run. So is he either mm -hmm. hurt? We don't think he's hurt or he's just really, really slow. So again, fit, where does he fit? I think if somebody like Nakobe Dean was able to, to use your word fall um, all the way down to new England, I think that would be a home run for new England. I think he would thrive in the system. Uh, and then all the other guys plug and play, I just, I want to see them all again. My thing is I want to see them all go into situations that are positive and um, fit their style of play. I don't, I, I really, I don't care if they go one, two or three, as long as they go to some place where they can be successful. Because at the end of the day, for me, the, the chest bumping for me is my guys are in the NFL and they're dominating. It's kind of like Aziz Ojolari. If my mind serves me correctly, he fell into the second round, fell into the lap of the Georgia Loving uh, New York Giants, and got into the league. And I think he has what? I think he had six sacks last year as a rookie. Uh, one, you know, did did what he was supposed to. I, I think he outplayed his his uh, his draft pick. I, I mean, to me, he was a first round lock, but. Apparently, some some knee injury from high school popped up on the radar of a few NFL teams that made him fall down the board. Just just stupid stuff like that. So you know, like like Dan says, I, we don't care where they go as long as they produce. Once they get in the league, you know that's that's what it's all about. So Dan, before before we let this go, I wanted to get a quick prediction. I know we haven't done much studying <clears throat> into all these different mock drafts that everyone every quote unquote expert has out there. What is your predicted biggest surprise pick out of all these? Whether it's someone falls down the board uh, lower than you thought they would go or someone who goes up the board and goes much higher or higher than you originally expected. This is easy. This is the easiest question you've ever asked me. <laughs> it's George Pickens. Somebody is going to fall in love with George Pickens. I know he doesn't have the tape. Uh, I mean, the tape he does have is really damn good. Okay, so that's that's that. 
but I know he doesn't have the the long longevity that maybe some people would want or whatever. But his measurables are really good. What is he six three or something like that? Like uh, he's big. Some, he's some a big that. a biggest receiver can fly absolutely fly. He ran faster than anybody else thought he would. Um, what I like to say is, is catch radius. Right when the ball's in the air, uh, he has a big catch radius where he has the ability to control his body and go make a play on the ball. More times than not, when the ball is in the air, you feel like he's coming down with it, right? Or he's going to have a really good chance. So I think somebody's going to fall in love with George Pickens. The initial mocks I saw on him were third round, right? There's no way he lasted the third round. You know, most updated mocks have him going somewhere in the middle of the second round or early in the second round. I would not be shocked if that run on wide receiver starts and somebody grabs him at the back end of the first round, that wouldn't shock me because they would want that extra year of control. That is the the biggest move. Like, I think that will be the biggest guy who shoots up the board. I think um, a guy who has a lot of value and I think will get drafted fairly high would be um, Salyer, Jamari Salyer, because I think people will love the fact that he can play all across the offensive line, pretty much any position on the offensive line. Because the good thing about offensive linemen is when you draft them is <clears throat> if you draft a quarterback and he can't play, you're shit out of luck and you, there's nothing else you could do with him, right? But if you draft a guy to play guard or tackle, he can't play tackle, he might could play guard or he can might play center. So you have other options to make sure that you don't waste that draft pick. So I think Sawyer has extremely high value. And then the last one for me, uh, it, there's so many names to go through. But I think the last one for me would be James Cook because he doesn't have the wear and tear on his body that some of these guys have, like uh, Bryce Hall, right? Is it Bryce Hall or the running back for Iowa State? Yeah. Yeah, Bryce uh, Hall. Yeah, he's got a ton of mileage. Um, the the running back um, – Kenneth Rich, Walker. Kenneth Walker has miles on those tires. And, you know, unfortunately, running backs have an expiration date and they have an odometer. And the more miles on that odometer, you know, that, that car takes a beating and it just it just runs out. Well, James Cook was used sparingly and he was used in situations where I don't recall him ever taking a massive shot, like a big shot. I don't ever recall him getting hit going, oh, my gosh, I don't know if he's going to get up. I, I, I don't recall the wear and tear on his body. And and he put up extremely good numbers. He's got the pedigree. Uh, he had some really big games for Georgia Maybe he wasn't utilized in the, in the type of way that would have put him on that pedestal with some of the other running backs. But I think at the end of the day, the NFL kind of appreciates that more than devalues that. So I think James Cook is going to get um, a look really high. And then just just for fun, I, I, th I think Jake Camarda is going to get drafted. I think he will get drafted. So to get a punter drafted, listen, that, that, there's like one a year, like one a year, maybe two. I, no, I'm gonna say like. I one mean, it's rare for a kicker even to get drafted, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you even Rodrigo good. didn't get drafted, which was, I mean, that shocked me because that was the that was the one thing I had. You know, I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely gonna get drafted. Didn't get drafted, just absolutely shocking. But you know, speaking of James Cook, you know, PFF dropped the stat. Uh, I don't know exactly when, but it was sent to me today. Highest passer rating generated when targeted as a receiver since 2020. Number one's Bijan Robinson. Number two is James Cook. I mean, Bijan Robinson. Many of many people have him down as a Heisman favorite, early Heisman favorite going into next season. Obviously, oh. 
Did you just say since 2020? Since 2020. What kind of sample is that? <laughs> Stetson Bennett has thrown the most, most interceptions since the spring tr- spring game. <laughs> it, it seems to me, it seems like a cherry pick stat Hell in favor yeah, of Texas is. because B. John Robinson was a freshman in 2020. That's that's what that seems like. It is from the official PFF college account. I don't know which intern sent that out. We'll see. All right. But so James who's your Cook, pick? Who's your pick? My pick, I mean, I agree with you on George Pickens. I mean, you know, Green Bay's a name that that seems to be picking up more and more uh buzz when it comes to George Pickens. I mean, obviously, you lose Aaron Rodgers loses a guy with Devontae like a Devontae Adams. Not saying George Pickens is gonna be the Devontae Adams replacement. Um, like Green Bay Packer fans are hoping they can get somewhere in this draft. But, you know, they bring similar height and stature. Catch radius, I would say, is around the same. You know, obviously Pickens, I don't is Pickens isn't as adept as a route runner as Devontae Adams is. But I think for an Aaron Rodgers receiver, George Pickens fit. I mean, it's it's kind of like the old uh, Tony Romo, Des Bryant type dynamic where Des Bryant always used to say, just throw it up nine. And let him go get it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is known for all these backyard passes, cross-body dots, you know, 50 yards downfield. It wouldn't shock me if George Pickens goes, I think they have 28, the 28th pick. I mean, that would be a beautiful landing home for him. You know, really love playing with JT Daniels. You know, even had Carson Beck ripping him the ball at his pro day. I mean, that seems like a great fit. Aaron Rodgers at quarterback for George Pickens. That's 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 my uh necessarily not surprised but you know at this point that's a beautiful home that's a that's a match made in heaven not as much so as as nicobe dean to the patriots dan i mean honestly we wrote an article about that over at si dogs daily or i think it was yesterday i mean perfect perfect home for for the two i mean perfect marriage i would love to see it happen for nicobe because i think i mean he's going to absolutely shine in that um but for me pickens is my high riser um, and one I just want to throw out there real quick since we didn't mention him is Lewisine. Now, I think he was a victim of somewhat of an overreaction by some of the media because he did run that 4-3-7. Some guys had him going up the board and potentially being the first safety taken off the board. Hot take. Um, because Wait, I mean, that, over that, Hamilton? That, over Hamilton. Who's going to be I, a top five pick? I, <laughs> Shut your Overreaction. Mind overreaction shut the front door <laughs> overreaction i mean if lewisine goes i mean i don't think two safeties go in round one I, I don't think i don't think that happens but him going to the second round is a lot better than you know i originally thought he would go so i mean i don't know if it would be as much of a shock after a great pro day but i think he's a high riser for me uh and, and, and i mean you know, any of these three linebackers, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall. I mean, there's some that had Quay Walker going in the first round, slipping into the first round. So, I mean, wouldn't be a shock to me. I mean, at 6'4", 240 pounds, that's that's an NFL prototype right there for you. Uh, for all those people that are the, the, oh, you have to be a certain height and have certain certain wingspan to play linebacker in the NFL. So, I wanted to throw this in real quick before we wrap it up. Our man, Evan Sanders, fun fact. If Trayvon Walker went number one overall, he would be UGA's fifth first overall pick. Before and before Stafford in 09, the last number one pick was Harry Babcock in 1953. Evan, I got a little fun fact to counter it. Trayvon Walker, if he goes within the top five, would be the highest defense would be the highest Georgia defense alignment selected since Jonathan Sullivan in 
in 2003, who went six overall to the New Orleans Saints. Ooh, well played. So that's, I mean, we'll see well, where that goes. Where did Seymour and Stroud go? I thought they were top top five. Well, that was before, wasn't it? Maybe. Yes, uh, that yeah. was before. Because um, that right. was, uh, Seymour played under Donnan, um, yeah. if I remember correctly. They both so, did the same defensive line. Imagine yeah, both that. Of them. Imagine having two Jordan Davises. Absolutely insane. I mean, it's 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 going to be a great uh great draft day. I will be in Vegas for that, right. so I'm kind of excited. So I know you weren't born when this happened, okay? Because you're <laughs> a baby. But there was a picture. So I played high school football with uh, a guy named um the the running back that Jordan had um Milligan or Mul- uh, Mil- Oh my gosh, I just, <laughs> it's Milligan. But anyway, he was he is the running back and. He had a. They had a picture. They were captains. It was Stroud on one so- side, him in the middle, and Seymour on the other side. Imagine Jordan Davis on the left, Jordan Davis on the right, and Stetson in the middle, and that's the picture. Jeez. It was hilarious. <laughs> I, I mean, we're talking about some humongous dudes. I mean, Jordan Davis made Devonte Wyatt look small in that one photo that that went around that caught the media's attention. What last November? This past November, you know what I'm talking about that that commercial they shot, that NIL deal. There's that one photo. Oh, I I don't know about that. I do know that on my way to work, there was a billboard on 85. It was a law office or something like that. It was like um, like something about your great arms or I don't know. But it's Jordan Davis with like in a wingspan position, and it's the whole billboard. Now, granted, I understand that it was like clipped to be his hands in the whole, but I was like, my God. <laughs> That's what it must look like when you're trying to run the football. <laughs> it's like the often blown up photo of him wrapping up the Missouri. No, he's not even blown up. It's the Missouri running back getting wrapped up by Jordan Davis. And he's like, I mean, he's so he's shrunk. He disappears. Down. Yeah. He disappears in his arms. I mean, absolutely insane. I can't wait to watch that dude play on Sundays. Cause there's, I mean, there's so many haters out there. They're talking about, Oh, he doesn't have as many tackles or sacks as Will Anderson. Well, yeah, dummy. They play in different positions. And Will Anderson isn't playing next to three potential first-round picks on that defensive line. Um, Let's ask N'Kobe Dean what he thinks about Jordan Davis. You know why? Because N'Kobe Dean was able to operate in space and not have to worry about traffic because Jordan uh, Davis completely eliminated all traffic and allowed him to operate. Ask any one of those linebackers, okay? That is the greatest, greatest thing to have is a space heater on that defensive line so those guys can't get to the second level. But – is it fair to say, am I overreacting to say that the fan base, Jordan Davis might be one of the most beloved dogs to come through in a very, very long time? I I, I hear more all. people I hear more people just love on that man more than any other player in recent memory. Not not at all. I mean, I, I don't remember quite one like him, I mean, in recent memory that that is as beloved as he is. I mean who's the last one to have the personality like him? I mean, you know, the guy is a goofball according well, not goofball. That's not fair. He is a, I mean, his teammates, I, I think if I remember correctly, you know, he's really funny off the field, really serious on the field, knows when to turn it on and, and get serious and, and just makes plays. But you see him, I mean, conducts the, the red coat band at the end of the, uh, their, their senior day. Um, I forget who we played that, but uh, Charleston Southern, I think it was when he conducted the band, you know, just as beloved as you can be. Here we go. Evan Sanders 
uh, Nick Chubb for him. Uh, JD99 Fair. may have been taken. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That, I, mean, that, I forgot. Totally forgot that, about Nick Chubb. I, I don't know how. I, it, I, yeah, I, I don't know how I, I didn't. Yeah, you're right. It Chubb is, it, Chubb is right there. It, Chubb is right there. But for, uh, yeah. for a non-skill position player, um, yeah, for sure. to me, I think Jordan Davis is up there. I mean, it, it's hard, dude. And if I had to go out on a limb and predict, I mean, Brooks, uh, Brooks, I'm taking your pick um, because I know how highly you speak of him and, and what his personality is like. Kristen Miller seems like a kid, you know, personality-wise, that, that could, you know, get a lot of love if if he plays to the expectations that many are putting on him. I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, he could be right up there, not maybe right up next to – Jordan Davis and Nick Chubb, but you know, could get a lot of love in this fan base. I'm just excited, man. Like, you know, to go all the way back to the beginning of the show, I was excited to see the Bulldogs on the field. I was excited to see um, a relatively entertaining football game, you know, because we've been without football for quite a while and everybody's healthy. So I think they, they put on a good show. I think we had a good show. Heck yeah. And I really like that. They had a good show and we've had a good show. Thank you all for staying with us. If you have guys, we appreciate y'all in the comments. Another great comment section. Yeah. Like subscribe, share, please help us grow the podcast. Uh, we had a couple of you guys in here watching. We really, really appreciate it. Evan and uh, DDG Robert. We appreciate you guys being in here and, and keeping the comments moving along, but please like and subscribe, share, uh, help get it out, and if um, if you want to give us some feedback, give us some feedback. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not so full of ourselves that we think we're great. You know, I mean, I know there's a lot of things that I could do better. So, you know, uh, I'm on Twitter. It's at uh, d at Dan Kylie three on Twitter, and um, hit me up if you you know, let me know. Got the bottom ticker running below. Uh, turned it off for this show to to make sure I don't have another incident where I oh, lag mid sentence. We're forgetting Rod. <laughs> Sorry, Rod. Uh, didn't didn't glad glad Rod's with us. Shout out to Rod for being with us, guys. I mean, all of you guys that were in the comments, thank you all for joining us today. Make sure to get down in the comment section below if you're watching on uh, tape delay, as I may call it, guys. That's Dan Kylie. Make sure you follow him, like he said on Twitter at Dan Kylie three. Follow me at Top Dog underscore Blogs. I need to get a new at sometimes. Yes, too. you do. I don't know. I think I've already used it once. I may have to pay some Twitter some money, but maybe Elon Musk, if you're listening, maybe maybe send me a, a free reset on the app button. If you know, you know. Um, but guys, thank you for joining us. That was episode 39 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. That's Dan Kiley. I'm Harrison Reno. We'll see you again next week. Talk some post-draft recap and uh, what is Dan Kiley angry about now? Right. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>